Amen, Church Project. You can go ahead and have a seat. Kiddos, have fun taking the half-mile walk over to your class. Thanks for joining us today. Wow, there's a lot of good-looking people here. Welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you are here. We are a church. We're a, what's that? What? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're here. We're a church. We're a gathering of people that love Jesus. We love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. We're also a project. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended for church to be. And so we look at the early church, and the early church, they gathered in the thousands in the temple courts, and so we gather by the thousands in Dayspring Gym this morning, and they gathered by the dozens in house churches, and so we gather by the dozens in house churches throughout the week as well, and we see the early church, how they met needs wherever they went, and through our ministry partnerships, we meet needs wherever we can and however we can. So welcome to Church Project. We're glad you're here. Okay, let's get rid of some housekeeping stuff. The first and foremost thing that we need to do is test Jimmy John's speedy deliveryness. okay? They say they're good at this. So um, we're having a start class today after this. Start class is a one-hour uh, class that we talk about Church Project, where we've been, um, what we're made up of, what we believe, our theology, what we think of God and each other, and, and also where we're going. And so a few of you have registered for that. Wonderful. But I want to give everyone a chance to register now by a show of hands. If you want to stay and eat Jimmy John's, raise your hand, keep it up high, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Okay, very good. We've got three, so four. Jeremy, we're ordering four. And if, and if five, six, anyone else? Because you're feeling right. Seven. Don't forget me, bro, but don't get onions on mine. Onions are gross. Brittany will be there. Eight, nine. I think, I think we got it. And any kids? Because there's child care as well. No? You have a kid. <laughs> Jay, what am I supposed to do, bro? Do we just keep going or what? Push forward. Okay, let's push forward. So there you go. Jimmy John, you got the order. Um, I, I, I just want to say, Rachel, thank you for that imago. I mean, beautiful. Yes, we can clap. Um, we've, we've been walking with you for a few years, and it's fun to walk through life together with, with everyone in this room and to experience the highs and to experience the lows but to be able to stand up and show us your little, your little pills was, was beautiful. And the fact that you can see God in, in that is beautiful. And the things I love about our Imagos that we do, number one, we have a lot of uh, public speakers in this church, I'm finding out. <laughs> a lot. And that's incredible. You hear enough of me. And so I think the church, by us doing Imagos, we're getting a beautiful p- picture of how to see God in everyday items. Like, that, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be worshipers. And so everything should beg the question, how do I worship God in my relationship to cancer pills? So thank you for showing us that today, um, Rachel. That was beautiful. If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. If you don't own a Bible, we bought brand new Bibles, and they are awesome. They're big print. I made sure we got big print because I'm getting older. And so if, if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand, and um, Jared or Jeremy will bring a Bible over for you. And if you don't own one, that's our gift to you as well. Grandpa, we got big print Bible for you. Jared, can you bring one over to him? 
um, and one over here as well. And it's important because at Church Project, we do expository teaching. So that means we're going verse by verse through the book of Acts. We've been in, in Acts for a while now, and so we just hit chapter 10. Congratulations. We're almost, almost halfway through Acts, so in a couple years we'll be done with it. So Acts chapter 10. Verses 1 through 8 is what we're talking about today, and in the new Bibles, I don't know what page it's on, um, but just, just take your time. It'll be about halfway through the Bible if you want to open it up. So, uh, a few months ago, uh, Lauren and I went down to Houston, and we were visiting Church Project, because there's, there's a few different church projects in America, and, and the one down there is, is really big. They have like 3,500 people, so about this size. And we were visiting, and, and on the way back, we were at the airport, and this, this storm cloud came in, and it caused, like, a lot of delays at the airport. Have you ever been at the airport, and you're just on delay? Yeah, isn't that terrible? I mean, I'm not as bad as if you're trying to land, and they're like, we're circling. We don't know. When, now, that one's really bad, because that's when you have to go to the bathroom, and you can't, all that stuff. And so if you've ever been on delay, you know it's just blah, like, eh. The whole patterns of life. I like to know where I'm going. I like to know what time it is specifically. And so, everyone look up here. Eyes up here. No cheating. Don't look at your phone and don't look at your watch. What time is it literally right now? 10.45? 35? You guys are pretty close. According to mine, it's 32. Am I right? Okay, we're close. Like, in our life, we, we kind of know what time it is. We kind of know what's happening. We kind of know what's coming next, especially being Americans. In Mexico, when we lived there, it was not quite like that. And it drove me crazy. But being in a whole pattern, not knowing what time it is, I like to know what time it is. I like to know what's happening, and I like to be in control. I want to just step back one verse. I know we're going backwards in Acts now, but, but Acts chapter 9, verse 43 is how we ended the last session in, 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 in uh, chapter 9. And it's, it's Peter, and, and it really jumps out at me because I want to talk about this for a little bit, okay? Peter stayed in Yopa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, I want to catch us up with where we're at, because some of us might know, not know where we're at in the book of Acts. But right now, Peter, Peter was just used to raise a woman from the dead. You hear that? Like Peter was just used in the previous verses to raise a woman from the dead. Not only that, two entire cities came to know the love of God through Peter. And the ministry that was happening through Peter and the, the way that the Lord used Peter's efforts. He obviously had a terrible agent. Because Jerry Maguire would have booked him gigs immediately after that. Are you with me? Show me the money! Show me the money! <laughs> like, if, if you're Peter's agent and he just raises people, a, a woman from the dead, and cities are coming to know God because of you, you're not going to go hide out at someone's house. Like, you're booking him on a world tour. Like, what has happened with Peter at this point? If I'm his agent, I am pumped. And I was thinking about this, because maybe I'm just weird and morphed, and maybe you're a little bit like me. I think you're a little bit like me thinking, this is your retirement plan, Peter, if you can just milk this. Like, come on, I've never raised someone from the dead. But we see in, in the end of 
chapter 9, verse 43, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This passage sheds light into our lives. Peter followed Christ, and we need to follow his example. Any of us workaholics in this room? I'll just place that word out there. How come all the women are going like this to the men? That, uh, man, do that to your, uh, like, okay. Let's move on. I don't want to get in trouble. We get addicted to closing the next deal, to making the next sale, to finishing that one last project, that if we can just push through this season, we overextend and we justify it. I thank God that Peter didn't move from raising a dead lady and winning two cities to Christ and just move on to the next bigger and better thing. Like, we overextend a lot. No regrets looks like being at your kids' games. Being present in conversations. Have you ever been in a conversation where you knew that person was not there? You're like, let's just end this. You know what? Stop looking at your phone. And now you can cheat because you get those cool little watches that get you text message. You can do this. You ever been in that conversation when you know that the person is just not present? It might be time for us to shut down our phones for a little bit, church. It might be time for us just to turn off our email a little bit and enjoy being where you are at and enjoy being who you are with. I fear many of us will look back with the way that we use our times and we'll have some regret. The only time that we have, this is our one and only life to live. And I thank God that Peter didn't just go from one busy thing to the next busy thing. When we first started Church Project about six years ago, I went and I sat with Derry Northrup. Anyone know Derry Northrup, the name? Okay, pastor of Timberline Church in Fort Collins. Fantastic man of God, fantastic church. It's one of those huge mega churches, and it's awesome. And I sat down with him, and I said, Derry, listen, I've, been in, I've only been in ministry for right now, well now, about 20 years um, and you've been in ministry quite longer than I have, and your ministry is successful, which is fantastic, but there's one other thing that I really admire about you. You're still married to your same wife. Your kids still love you. Like, you haven't burnt out. Like, how do, how do your kids still love you? How do you still have a good relationship? And I remember sitting with him. Now, Mega Church, Derry Northrup, okay? And, and he said, here's, here's what I've learned. I've learned that I don't want to show the world or my church, I don't want to give off the appearance of being busy is okay and being in a hurry is okay. Like, there's seasons of being busy and, be, and being in a hurry, absolutely, but as a pastor of the mega church, he didn't want to give permission for everyone else in the church to always be busy all the time, and so he has a clean schedule a lot of times. So people like myself can sit with him and talk, and I admire that. Peter to Simon, as they're, as they're talking right now, okay? I wonder if the conversation went like, hey, buddy, can I come hang out at your place for a little bit? I just, you know, raised a dead woman, cities came to know God. Like, hey, buddy, can I come hang out at your place for a little bit? How's the family? What's new with you? And we see here, Peter in the early church, and especially in this verse here, we see relationships. 
talked a lot about that last week. We see relationships. But we also see time. Peter sitting with his friend, Simon. We see time. And, we, and, and one of the things that, that I've really learned, and I want to encourage us, church, to go through and to learn and to walk through, is to take time to be bored. Take time to be bored. It's okay to put down the phone. It's okay to be bored. It's okay to let our mind wander. It's okay to wait. And Peter, at the height of his game, didn't let his agent talk him into the next big thing. He went to his friend's house and said, how's the family? What's going on? And they hung out. And he didn't quite know what he was going to do next. He was in a holding pattern. When was the last time you were okay with being in a holding pattern? Just sitting and simply being. Actually, mine was last night. I loved it. Who, who came to our house last night? I, I threw out a text to some guys, cigaring, happening at my house tonight. And cigaring, by the way, is the act of smoking a cigar. I invited people over. We had like four or five guys come over to the house around the fire pit. No one smokes cigars, though. We'll work on that, I guess. Peter was working. I know you would have been there, but I think it's so important for us to sit Women, I would encourage you, as Brittany said, to go sit with other women up in Estes Park for the, for the women thing going on. I don't know about that. But. Men, hey, it was at my house last night for five guys. Who wants to do it next? Someone raise your hand right now. Okay, Jeremiah, it's your job to organize the next men thing at your house or somewhere. All right, so everybody, Jeremiah's going to do that. Let's get back to this pasture, or pasture pa- passage. I am way out here, guys. It's the gym, sorry. Uh, in this passage, we see Peter. We see him sitting with his fin. We also see, though, I think if we want to go a level deeper, we see Peter abiding with Christ in this passage right here, in this verse right here, waiting. He's paused. He doesn't know what he's going to do next, which leads us up to our next passage in, in, in chapter 10. God is moving beyond the physical time of Peter just sitting with his friend. God off in the distance is already doing something that's going to move Peter. So though you're sitting and you're in a waiting pattern and you're just hanging out with your friend, fist bumping, know that God is still moving. He's still doing stuff in mighty, mighty powerful ways. So let's go to chapter 10. That sets us up. Oh, let me throw out these two verses. I'm sorry. John chapter 15, verse 4. John chapter 15, verse 4. Remain in me also as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Peter remaining in Christ. Us remaining in Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Abiding with him. Jesus took time often when we study his life in in the narratives and in the Bible Jesus took time often to abide, to rest, to remain in his Father, in relationship with God. We would do well to follow his suit, wouldn't we? In this holding pattern, Peter is getting swept up into what God has for him next, and he doesn't even know it. Go to chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. 
Ooh, that sounds awesome. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Yopa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Yopa. Let's pray. God, thank you for this passage today. I pray that in these 10 verses, you'll speak to each and every one of us in powerful ways. God, I pray that you move in our hearts and move in our minds and we don't leave the same way that we came. We wanna see your power and we want it to be personal in our lives. God, thank you for who you are and may us, let us worship you as we continue studying. In your name we pray, amen. Let's look at verse one. Okay, in verse one it says Cornelius. He was the first Gentile Christian mentioned in the book of Acts. The first Gentile Christian mentioned in the book of Acts is this man right now. Earlier in the book of Acts, it was God rallying his church and and a lot of Jewish people saying, this is awesome, we need a savior. And now we see the message moving on and it's moving on to the Jews and the Gentiles and, and beyond the region. And so here is the first mention of a Gentile Christian mentioned in Acts, Cornelius. And when we look at Cornelius, it says he was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. That sounds awesome. A centurion is this. A centurion is a commander of 100 men in the Roman army. Okay? So he's a commander of 100 men in the Roman army. Now, six centurions are in each cohort. So it's, now we're getting bigger. There's cohorts in a legion, so it gets even bigger. And each legion had six tribunes to whom its centurions were subordinate. Here's what all this means, okay? Cornelius had a super high-paying job. He probably had health benefits. He's at the top of his game. And as a centurion, this is the highest level an average soldier could be promoted into. He's been a soldier, he's worked it, he's still working it, and now he's promoted to the highest level and he's getting paid well. He's in a a position of authority. Now I see, now I don't know how you say it, I always get in trouble. Italian, Italian, how do you say it? Italian, do you eat Italian, Italian food? I don't know, okay. Italian, Italian regiment is what he's part of. And this this is a unit that's known for its Roman, it's an archery unit, so Cornelius is in charge of 100 men, part of this union, union, unit, and they are archers. All this sounds like, what's that, what's that movie with the girl and the, the bow? Hunger. Hunger Games. Sounds like Hunger Games right now. I was trying to whistle it, but it was coming out like <laughs> some other Disney movie. Oh, that was, let's move on. <laughs> I'm so distracted today, people. Uh, number two or number two, verse two. He and all his family were devout 
and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. I love that it mentions here that that this very first Gentile Christian mentioned in the book of Acts was God-fearing. I fear God because of who he is. Like if you pause and you, you, you think of deity and you think of humanity and you think of yourself not as deity, it's pretty quick to realize that I fear God because of who he is, how powerful he is. The Bible is full of people that have feared the Lord. And, and when angels would appear, even just angels, people were fearful and they would shake. Like, I fear God because of who he is, but I also, I personally also fear God because of the life I would live without him. Oh, without the love of God in my life, what kind of life would I live? Oh, without the grace of God in my life. Like, I'm not sure about you, but if you're anything like me, you desperately need grace. Um, you have sinned greatly, had bad thoughts, you've on and on. The thing I love about this gospel message is that God enters in and says, regardless of what you've done, what you've thought, the actions that you have done, are doing, or will doing, my blood and my relationship covers over all of that. If you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And that grace washes over all the guilt that you might be carrying from that thing you did again. Thank God. And I I fear God because of who he is, the deity. I mean, think of God, wow. But I also fear God of what my life would look like without his grace. The fear of God. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools think that they can live this life apart from God on their own. Fools think they don't need God. Fools think my education is enough, my 401k is enough, my health is enough. Fools think these things. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I think back to the, uh, the, an Old Testament narrative of Job 28, 28. The story of Job, the man at the top of his game, how he loses everything and he begins, he begins just losing everything and his friends are coming around saying, curse God and on and on it goes. This, this terrible story of Job and what happens to his life. Some of us might be able to relate to the story of Job, how we seemingly have lost everything in life. And I, I think in Job 28, 28, it says this, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Like we don't cling to the things of this world. Our minds are set on the things above. We fear God and we respect God and we love God and we understand that clinging to the things of this world is evil. But the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun, uh, to shun evil is understanding. Church, are you letting God speak into your life? Are, are you okay being in a place of being bored? Like Peter with his friend? Are you okay, okay being in that place and saying, God, search my heart, search my mind, and make me more like you? I shun evil. I want to look like you more and more every day. Is that your prayer, church? So, this man, verse 2, 
he and all his family were devout and, and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. So he also, he was God-fearing, but what does it say he was next? He gave generously, right? As a church, this is us from the beginning of Church Project. Our goal and our aim, and we feel like one of the things that God has brought us here to Greeley to do is to be a generous people, to meet needs wherever they're at. Like, we just came through two weeks of the biggest fundraisers for Young Life. Krista, good job, girl. That was awesome. A ministry that's doing way more than Church Project is doing, but we get to partner with her in this ministry. And so thank you for that. We had a fundraiser, what, Friday? Where's Doherty at? You guys are sitting right next to you. Hey, you are friends. <laughs> Youth for Christ, another nonprofit, and that was fantastic. It was such an honor to sit there and to see the people of the community come as you guys are obviously doing things that Church Project can't do, but we can partner. And that's one of the things that God's asked us, Church Project, to do. So if you've ever tithed a penny you've given to Youth for Christ and Young Life and our other ministry partnerships that we do. But he and his family, they gave generously wherever they were at, and I think it hurt a little bit too that they were generous people. I'll just put it really real to you. Church Project, right now as we sit today, we're $25,000 behind our proposed budget. Okay, it's not the first time. We've never been that far behind budget, but I, well, I guess it is the first time. But I've been in church for a very long time, and I know how we get behind and we come up, and I, I know how the ebbs and flows of church finances. But I also know it would be really stupid for me to sit up here and go, why don't you go to ministry partnerships fundraisers and give money? But that's what we do. Because we're not about church project. We're about bigger and better, the capital C church, even though we're behind budget. I trust God. I know they're behind budget too. They trust God. And I imagine in our own personal lives, we might be behind budget. Uh Uh-oh. We trust God. We thank him for every penny that he's given us, and we get better at spending every one of those pennies. I would say this, Let's, let's move it right to the money talk at Church Project. If you're not tithing, you need to be tithing. If you call Church Project your home, you need to be tithing. You need to be a person, a generous person. I remember what it was like when I kept every penny for myself, and I remember how empty that was. I also look back in my life and I get to see when I'm generous, God is very generous and smiles. And I love to see what happens in people's lives when the first time ever they enter into the challenge of tithing and they begin to see God doing incredible things in their heart and in their mind. So I would encourage you, even college students, anyone in this room, if you call Church Project your home, you should be tithing here. And then I also want to smile and say, and you get to do offerings. Above and beyond the 10%, above and beyond what you're giving to church project, if you have extra money to give it out, then give it out. If you don't have extra money, find ways to find that extra money and give it out because there's non-ministries, there's non-profit ministries, there's places all over to do this. But be a generous person. 
Be one that gives regularly and faithfully. Be a generous person. And beyond that, be even more generous. I challenge you in this to see what God will do in your life as you become a generous person. Cornelius, Peter, as we look in this, that it's one of the things that's listed in here. As an individual, make it your goal. So let's look at Cornelius in verse two. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing and then he gave generously to those in need. And the third thing he says is what? And he prayed to God regularly. He prayed to God regularly. He talked with God. He communed with God regularly. Ginger, where are you at? There, there. Stand up, turn around so everyone can see you. You're like, come on, Aaron. I don't care. Come on, Ginger. Come on, Ginger. Come on. There you go. This is Ginger, everyone. G- We'll, we'll, we'll tell you, we'll tell you while we're clapping. Because Ginger comes most every Sunday and literally touches the chair that you're sitting on and prays over it. So the seat that you're sitting on, Ginger touched it today. It's, and she prayed. She prayed, God, whoever sits in this chair, would you bless them? Would you speak to them? I don't know what you prayed, Ginger, but you pray over every one of these chairs. Thank you. And then Jeff and Ginger and I, we go and they pray over me. Thank you. Let's be a people that are God-fearing, that are generous, that pray. And let's be a people that we're moving together at Church Project to do and to be this. Let's continue on, verse two. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed regularly and in verse three, one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, in verse four, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked and the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before the Lord. Pause. Whoa, this is what you could talk about at your house church this week. Think about that the prayers and the offerings that were happening because of Cornelius and because of Peter, where did they end up? At the heart of God. That is awesome. So in the darkest despair of your life, walking at midnight with no hope, you can speak and utter one word or one syllable to God and it's landing on his heart. He hears your words. He hears your prayers. Even if, Rachel, you're isolated in a room getting filled with radiation and chemo and you can't touch your babies, he hears you. He hears you when you're happy. He hears you when you're down and out. And to me, that is beautiful. God sees this as worship and an offering. Woo! Good thing I'm not leading a house church because we'd sit right there for like two hours on that part. So house church pastors enjoy this passage because it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's continue on here. Um, now, now in verse five, now send men to Yopa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. Verse six, he is staying with Simon the Tanner and they're talking about family and hanging out and having a good old time. 
whose house is by the sea. And in verse seven, when the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Yopa. I wonder if it was on the government's dime he sent them to Yopa. He's like, I'm boss. I'm in charge of all of you. Hey, go over to that dude's house. What I do see here in verse seven is Cornelius uses his position of power and influence to glorify God. Every single one of us in this room have power and influence. Every one of us. And the question is, how are we, his church, using our power and our influence to show others and usher others into the love of God? I'll tell you how it starts. It starts by being God-fearing, generous, and being men and women of prayer. God moves in powerful ways. I'm sitting here, and, and Don Orange might kick me, but I don't care. Don Orange is joining us today, which makes me really nervous. I won't, he's right over here. He's the pastor of Fellowship Church. He's on his day off, and he comes to church, and he comes to church project. Awesome. Am I doing okay, Don? Okay, good. For those of you that that have been with us the whole time, like our first gathering ever was at Don Orange's building. they, They opened it up for us to meet there generously. And we met there for a long time. And then we moved to our house. That was a weird move. We should have stayed at Fellowship Church. But we love Fellowship Church. We love Don Orange. We love the mission of God in this world. And we're not, it's ecumenical. Like when we're talking about other churches, we are very ecumenical. We love what God's doing with all the churches and the capital C church and Don Orange and what he's doing. Even currently right now, like Zoe, my daughter and I are taking a class that he's teaching on Monday nights about just how to, how to love people of the, of the Islamic faith, Muslims. Just how to love them. Just be in relationship. Thank you, Don, for doing that. And thank you, Don, for being a camel milk distributor. Talk to him about that afterwards. It's the way that he's loving people that no one else can love than that way. Men and women of Church Project, not in our city is what I want to say. Not in our city are we going to sit by and watch our youth that are skaters have no place to skate. No, we build a skate park and we support Youth for Christ so they can go see the love of God as they skate. Not in our city are we going to sit by and just, just idly live our life. No, we use our power and we use our influence as much and as little as we have. And we all have grand power and influence to show others the love of Christ. Because my life without the love of Christ is deep despair. Without the grace of God entering to my life, I am in trouble. Not in our city. We're not going to sit idly by. One of the reasons we're meeting in this gym is to see what it would be like. Because we know we're starting to outgrow the cafeteria next door. We can raise this curtain and fit a couple more in here if we want to. I don't know what God's going to do, but we're trying it out, and we're going to see. I want to pray this over us. Psalms chapter 107, verse 33 through 43. And this is how we're going to end today. Psalms chapter 107, verse 33 through 43. And when I pray this over us, I want to actually pray this over our city, Greeley, as well. And pray this over our lives as individuals. 
Think about as this story just goes and the narrative goes through the different parts here in these verses. Think about the times in your life when you were in these verses, okay? Psalms chapter 107, verse 33 through 43. If it does you better to close your eyes and listen, then do so. But engage into this story. He turned rivers into a desert. Flowing springs into thirsty grounds. And fruitful land into a salt waste. Because of the wickedness of those who lived there. He turned the deserts into pools of water. And the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live. And they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed the fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruit, a fruitful harvest. He blessed them. And their numbers greatly increased. And he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased. And they were humbled by oppression calamity and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Amen, church. Amen, church. Church, let's stand. I want to bless you. God, in the, in the name of Jesus, I pray over your people today. I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, make your face shine upon them. God, be gracious to them. I pray that you would give them your peace and that your kingdom would come and your perfect will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all of God's people said,